0: Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Let's pray as we open the word and study today. Father, we thank you for your word. And on Pentecost weekend, Pentecost Sunday, we're asking you, Lord, not just that we would read it, but we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would cause what we're saying and what we're studying and what we're reading, that is your word, cause it to come to life. In our midst today, we ask that you would release your presence and your power to heal, to save and to deliver, to do what you always do. Lord, we gather here, we're just here, uh, physical people, but we pray spiritually that you would move in power in such a way that it would cause, cause us to awe and wonder in your, in your presence today. We wanna see you and we wanna experience you today. Thank you for your word. Open our eyes that we would see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 The Bible tells us quite a bit about the Holy Spirit. It talks about the person of the Holy Spirit, that he is the person of God. He's the third member of the Trinity, coequal with the Father and the Son. And the scriptures teach us that we can have communion with him through faith in Christ. That when we give our life to Jesus, the Bible says that we are regenerated, we are made alive in Christ. And the reason that we are is because the Holy Spirit comes to live and dwell inside of us. Theologically, we call this regeneration, it just means to be made alive. The Holy Spirit is God. The Bible also says that the Holy Spirit is the power of God. He is the active agent of the Trinity, always moving, always working. We see this in Genesis chapter 1. In Genesis chapter 1, it says that there is chaos over the earth or darkness, deep darkness over the earth, and the Holy Spirit was hovering. From the very beginning of Scripture, the Holy Spirit was moving. He is the active agent of the Trinity. We are called to experience him and receive his power, to be baptized with the Holy Spirit according to Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 10 and Acts chapter 19. The Bible is full of examples where men and women were filled with his power so that they could be witnesses of Christ. When Jesus called his disciples to go and be a witness, he said, don't go, wait, wait for the promise of my father, wait for the power to come. But when the power comes, don't wait, go. Go. Wait until the power comes, but when it comes, don't wait, go. We need the Holy Spirit in our day. We need to be baptized, immersed, saturated with his power to do the works of Jesus in our world. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God. He is with us. Those that believe on Christ, he lives in us, and he desires to live through us. He doesn't just want to live inside of us. He wants to flow through our lives. The Bible gives all kinds of metaphors about the Holy Spirit. Just to describe what he's like in our world, the Bible references the Holy Spirit as the breath of God, the wind of God, the cloud of God, the oil of the Lord, the fire of God, the consuming presence of the Lord. He is the seal guaranteeing that which is to come. And the Bible says that he is like water. And I love this metaphor because Jesus says the Holy Spirit is like living water. John chapter 7 and verse 37, Jesus is going to be speaking here. It says, now on the last day, the great day of the feast, this was the feast of tabernacles, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit had not yet been given. But we're not living in the age where the Spirit had not yet been given. We're living in the age where the Spirit has been given. We're living in the time where the Spirit has been and is being poured out until Jesus Christ returns. But what we know and what Jesus said to his disciples then is true for us today. That from our innermost being will flow rivers, of living water. A Christian is not called to be dry. A Christian is called to be filled. A Christian is called to be flowing. A Christian is called to release what they receive. And rivers of living water is the Holy Spirit moving through our lives. A river is a natural flowing waterway with a source flow, which th- flows through a waterbed. This picture that Jesus gives to us helps us understand that a river has a source. The Holy Spirit wants to flow through our lives, but we're not the source. God's the source. It's like there's a river in heaven that flows and wants to flow through God's people, which that, and that means that we are a waterbed. You know what a waterbed is made out of? Dirt. Now, I'm not gonna say turn to your neighbor today and say you're dirt. I wouldn't do that to you. You look too wonderful for me to try to tell you something like that today, but your life is the waterbed that God wants to flow through to the people all around you, people I can't reach people that you can't reach in my life because I am the waterbed of God where the river of life is meant to flow through. And this is what Jesus fully intended for us to understand. And he's talking about the life of the Holy Spirit, the love and the joy and the peace and the patience and the kindness and the goodness and the faithfulness and the gentleness, and the comfort, and the conviction, and the guidance, and the counsel, and the help, and the encouragement, and the freedom, and the healing, and the gifts, and the insight, and the deliverance, and the salvation of our God. In case you didn't know, all of those were scriptures. I just didn't read all the addresses to you. No, sir. You got to open the Bible for that. These are all the things that God wants to do through the Holy Spirit and through our lives. It's essential then that we learn how to let the river of God flow through us. And I I want to show you a picture of that in Acts chapter nine today. In fact, if you just read the book of Acts in in a sitting, what you would find is God's river flowing all through the book of Acts. God's river of his Holy Spirit, some translations or in the beginning of the book of Acts, it might say the Acts of the Apostles. It's better stated the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles through the riverbeds. It's the river through the riverbeds. And so today, I wanna share with you a very well-known story in Acts chapter nine, which is about a man named Saul, who is on a journey to Damascus with permission from the Jewish council to throw Christians in jail. He's a persecutor of the church. We know him as the Apostle Paul, but this is where he was converted. This is where he encountered the Lord and his life was changed forever. And he has this supernatural encounter, and I'm not going to read that part of the story to you, but what we know is as he's on his way, there was a blinding light from heaven that shone around him, and it struck him so much so that he could not see. And it says he was blinded, and what I believe is that's the Shekinah, that's the glory of the Lord that encountered this man, and it fried his eyes. He could not see. He was blinded, and he was thrown down to the ground. And he heard a voice from heaven, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he looks up and he says, who are you, Lord? And he says, it is Jesus, the one that you are persecuting. He's on his way to put followers of Christ in prison. And now he's having a conversion of sorts. Now he's realizing that he was wrong. Now his heart is arrested by the one and true God. And we pick up this story right after Saul is led into Damascus, and he has to be taken there by his companions because he's blind. And he's waiting in a house for someone to come and pray for him. And I want to talk to you out of this passage in Acts chapter 9 and verse 10 about a man named Ananias. And we will see the river of God today. Verse 10 says, now there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias... And he said, Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias. That's you. Come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. And he doesn't say it, but he means it, including me. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. I I think he got excited right there. He thought, suffer, Lord, I'm going to go. And the next verse says... So Ananias departed and he entered the house after laying hands on Saul. He said to him, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he regained his sight and he got up and he was baptized and he took food and he was strengthened I want to make some observations in light of our message today as we see the river of life flowing through a man that we know not. Ananias is not talked about before this. There is another Ananias, but we're not going to talk about him today. You can reference that in Acts 5. That's a whole other story. That's a different kind of the river of God. That's the judgment of God. We're talking about the river of life. And we see the river of life flowing through this man. And I want to give you four observational points. The first is the Holy Spirit will use you. The Holy Spirit will use you. This is not rock and science, but we want to lock this in today because as we read the Bible, something is absolutely certain. God uses people. God uses people to accomplish his will and his plan. When Jesus speaks to Paul from heaven, I'm going to call him Paul. Uh, We just wonder, why not just secure the deal right then and there? And I want to paint to you a picture that I think is really important for us as Christians. And just in my mind, I think maybe a lot of you are like me, not all of you, but I'll bring you into my thinking. And I see this sort of as a a little bit of a conundrum. I see this story as a little bit of a, a God being utterly patient with his people. I mean, I just think of myself, like I'm not always uh, the most quick to move on God's plan or God's will. I would like to tell you that I am. Sometimes I am. God speaks and I move. But sometimes I'm like you and I go, Lord, is that you? Lord, are you sure? And I might even be reading the Bible. It's plain as day. Lord, are you sure? I mean, how is that supposed to work in my life? You know, we can be reluctant. We can be hesitant. Don't say amen. Okay. But we can be reluctant and we can be hesitant. Angels are not that not not at all. In fact, they are just quick to do the will of God. They're just whatever God says and they just do it. They accomplish his will. But I think this is really interesting because here's the scene. Jesus speaks to Saul on the road and his companions because he's blind need to bring him back to Damascus and he's in a house and he's waiting. And so now in a vision the Lord, according to this passage, speaks to Saul and says, there's a man that's going to come named Ananias, and he's going to lay hands on you. I mean, okay, I just want you to see that picture. A man is going to come and lay hands on you and pray for you, for you to regain your sight. And then somewhere on another street in Damascus, the Lord gives a vision to a man named Ananias and said, there's a man named Saul over here, and he's waiting for you. And I need you to go over to him and lay your hands on him so that he can regain his sight. I just think it's kind of a funny thing. I mean, God could cut the middleman out and he could just literally cause the scales to fall off of his eyes and they could just get on with the kingdom of God. And the same thing happens in the book of Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, we remember Jesus in Matthew 28 has already told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, not just Jews, but Gentiles. Well, they haven't gotten the clue yet because only the Jews are being preached to and only the Jews are part of the church at this point. In Acts chapter 10, Peter falls into this trance, the Bible says. He has this elaborate vision where this sheet comes down with all these various animals that were not kosher, and a Jewish person would not partake, a Jewish person would not eat. It's offensive to them. And he hears the voice of God say, kill and eat. And, and Peter's like, no, I'm not going to do I've never done that. I would never do that. And the Lord uses this elaborate a vision that sort of offended him in his Jewish customs, according to what he would eat, offends his mind and his heart a little bit, And he's trying to show him that what he's already told him, he needs to be a part of. I want you to go make disciples of all nations. Now that scene's happening in Acts chapter 10. But over here, the Lord is ministering to a man named Cornelius and his whole house. And an angel of the Lord shows up to Cornelius and speaks to him and says, I want you to send servants over to this person's house to get this guy named Peter so they can bring Peter back. And Peter can tell you what I want you to know. There's already an angel in Cornelius's house. Why send an angel to tell Cornelius' house to send a person over to Peter's house so Peter can come back to Cornelius? Do you understand what I'm... Do you see the problem I'm working with here? I'm thinking, God, you are going to a lot... There's a lot of effort into this. God wants to use people. I hope you get that revelation. I know it's not rocket science today. But if he wanted to just cut us out of the equation, he would have just had the angel do the job. But he sent the angel to give the message so that... They could participate in all of the, God wants to use us. It's very much like if you're a parent and if your kids are next to you, I'm not sorry. It's like if you're a parent and you want to involve your children in some kind of thing that you want to build or you want to make or maybe even clean the house. Maybe you want to clean the house, and you're thinking, you know, I want to teach my kids how to do this, and so little Johnny and Sarah or whatever their names are, you know, come on in, and we're going to clean the house, and I'm going to walk away for five minutes, just for five minutes, and I'm going to be back, and I'm going to check out the job, and I'm going to show you how to do this. Here's how you do it, and you go away, and you come back, and not only is it not done, it's worse than it was when you left. And now you not only have to do the original job, but now you gotta do that job and the job that now has been created. They, what they did was they created a new job for you. But the point isn't about the mess, the point is we're teaching and we're instructing and we're inviting so that we all can participate in this and have ownership. Don't you love that God calls us to participate in his plan and he wants us to have ownership in what he's doing and that's for all of us today. And what I wanna say to you is that this picture and this story shows us the river of life flows from the Lord and flows to and wants to flow through us. And that's why he gives us the gifts of the spirit. That's why he speaks to us about his will and the things that he wants us to do, not because he can't do it without us, but for whatever reason, he has chosen us to participate in the unfolding of his will and his kingdom advancing on the earth. This is why when we come together, we provoke each other to love and good deeds, because we get to be a part of the plan of God unfolding in our world. And if you didn't know that today, now you do. God wants to use you. And this also gives us another part of God wanting to use us. If you feel disqualified, if you feel like that God doesn't want to use you or can't use you because of something in your past, you need to shame the devil today because he isn't choosing you because you're better than everybody here. He's choosing you because he loves you. He created you and he can fill you with his life and his river and flow through you. He's just looking for people to say yes. I mean, the disciples were not this great group of people handpicked, sort of this roster, this MVP list. They were people that Jesus chose and they said yes. I mean, if that's the only contribution that they had to the equation, amen, it really encourages us today. If you feel disqualified, if you feel inferior, you do not need to feel better than, but you need to feel like you're right on par. God wants to use you. I'll tell you, there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. Confidence says, I will and I can. Arrogance says, I can do it better than you. And there is a huge difference between the two. We're not trying to be better than anybody. We're just trying to be used of God. And the Holy Spirit is the river of life who wants to flow through us. Ananias is some random, common guy. We never hear about him again. In fact, that could have been the only vision that God gave him, but don't you think that's a pretty awesome opportunity? I don't think he got to the end of his life and said, Oh, shucks. I was never used for anything significant. You got to pray for the apostle Paul, man. I mean, if that's the only person you get to pray for and the only vision that you ever get, praise God. I wouldn't want to miss that one though. I wouldn't want him to skip over my house. Why did he choose Ananias? You know, I'm just gonna give you a very simple observation. I think he chose Ananias because he was local. It says, there was a man in Damascus Name Ananias. That's all it says. It says his name and where he was located. He was just on the next street over. I'll tell you what, God sometimes simply chooses us because we're on 22nd and this here is 21st. Sometimes the Lord just chooses local people that are humble enough to say yes and respond to the plan of God. Isn't that amazing that we get to be used by God in the days in which we're living? The second thing here we see is the Holy Spirit will speak to you We see in verse 10, it states that the Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision. And Ananias said, here I am, Lord. Having the Holy Spirit flow through us means that we are prayerful and we are mindful of the voice of God. Where do we direct the flow of God's river in our lives? To whom do we bring that river, that flow, that water, that life? He wants to speak to us. He wants to tell us. It could just be anybody and everybody that we encounter in our daily life, but he has special assignments he has things that he wants us to be aware of and attentive to. And, and you may be saying today, I don't know how to hear the voice of God. Well, we start in Scripture. Scripture is the eternal voice of God. Scripture, there is, whatever we might hear from the Holy Spirit is not to be equated with the word in, in any way, shape, or form. But I would tell you in, in the parameters of what the Scripture lays out clearly about God's will, the Holy Spirit does want to direct our attention to specific things in this life. And if you're confused about that or you don't know anything about that, I heard of a great book that I would like to recommend. And for you it's only 1995 today. You can get your second copy for another 1995. No, I'm just joking. This book is free. I wrote this and you're welcome to it. It's out in the lobby. You can have it for free. 9 chapters on what it means to hear the voice of God based on the foundation of the Bible, right? This is who we are. We're a people of the word and we're a people of the spirit. But what I love here in this passage is that Ananias is praying. Ananias is praying. You may say to me today, Ben, I don't hear the voice of God. I wanna first start with your prayer life. What does your prayer life look like? What is your secret place full of? You understand? I'm not saying your secret place or your time with God or this sort of alone time that you have. Or you may say, Ben, I don't, I don't have any extra time. That's why we have to make time. None of us have extra time. We, we end up giving time by default to other things in our life. That's why we have to prioritize our time with God. But when we pray, when we listen, when we seek to discern the voice of God, we will hear. God is always speaking to us. I don't mean like every second of the day, but God is speaking to his people. He is directing traffic. He is helping us to know his will. He wants us to speak to this person and he wants us to do that. And he wants us to be able to hear his voice. I believe that with all of my heart. I don't hear his voice every single day, but he hears mine every single day. First thing I do in the morning is I wake up and I say, hello, Jesus. I'd encourage you to start there. That's a great place to start. Even if you don't have a lot of prayer time in the morning, you just start your day, wake up and say, hello, Jesus. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. It doesn't say, let us be angry about it. It says, let us be glad in it. We start with the joy of the Lord. We have another day to glorify God. Let's use it to the fullest. Lord, what is on your heart today? What are you saying today? I don't think Ananias woke up thinking, I'm going to go lay hands on the greatest persecutor of the church today. I don't think he walked into his prayer closet thinking that something like that was going to happen. That's why he said to the Lord, Lord, I've heard of this man. I think you got the wrong man. Let me talk to you about the man. He came to persecute people. I'm one of those peoples, Lord. I don't want to be one of those peoples. But the third point is this. When God speaks to us, he will give us great faith. Verse 11 and 12, God tells him to go lay hands on Saul and he responds with all of his objections. Ananias had heard about Paul and was not particularly interested in doing what the Lord was saying and so he negotiated with him until the Lord said, I will make him an instrument. I will cause him to suffer. Ananias got a little more excited and he departed. He stepped out on faith. I'll tell you, it would take great faith for that man to go to that house. I sort of picture it in my mind that he had this walk all the way to, ironically, it's the house of Judas. I mean, it just sounds awesome to me. It's just ironic, you know. I think that his walk to the house of Judas was one of, of great fear and intimidation. I think he experienced all of the feelings that you would think he would. Did I hear God right? Was that vision off? Did I eat something that I shouldn't? Should I question this? I don't know what it was like. You might say when you read the Bible, there's without question he knew it was the Lord. I, I don't, I wasn't there. But I can tell you this, he was afraid. That's why he objected to what God said. It would require great faith for him to knock on that door. I just picture him walking up to the door and him knocking a little bit, not, not so hard. Just maybe he's not gonna come to the door, you know, just, just like, just a couple. And he just sort of starts walking away a little bit. I just, I, it just, it was just only, I'm the only one. He just starts walking away a little bit, you know. And uh, this little light of mine, he's singing the song, I got a river of life. I got a river of love. I think the river wants to go over here, is what he was saying. <laughs> Rivers just flow, never know where it's coming from or where it's going, you know, just got to keep going. He knocks on it, somebody answers the door. It's Judas. He goes, Hey, hey, how are you doing today? Yeah, um, this is going to sound kind of strange, but I just was praying, had a vision, and uh, the Lord, uh, not sure if you know him, told me that I should come here. This is Straight Street, isn't it? Yeah, looks like Straight Street, and there's not many houses here. Uh, this is Damascus. So I'm just wondering, by any chance, I mean, he's probably not here, this guy named Saul, probably not here. Oh, oh he's here. Oh, he's here. Okay. Is he blind? Right? <laughs> Can he see? I just want to oh, he's blind. He's here. Is anybody else with him? You know, I mean, I just kind of feel like it would have been one of those types of situations. At least I I sort of envision it that way. I I don't think he was just mobbing up in there like bold and and strong and in 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 the power of God, like, man, this is gonna happen, and I'm the man of God of the hour with power. I we're gonna get into this. Where's Saul? I don't I don't I don't think that's what happened. I think God gave him faith and I want to, I want to say something here. Listen, when you hear the voice of God and God calls you to do something, you are going to have doubts and you are going to experience fear. And I know there's this time where people say, "Oh, you're never going to experience fear. You're not supposed to have any fear. We're not supposed to harbor fear. We're not supposed to surrender to fear." We're not supposed to yield to fear. We're supposed to confront fear. We're supposed to understand that fear and doubt comes, but it's the threshold that we step past because we have faith. There are a lot of reasons why that we can have to not do the things that God calls us to. I'll tell you, my wife and I, we're not particularly interested in getting licensed to take care, of even respite care, and, and wherever this goes, of foster care, it took a lot of faith. Do we have time? Should we really be doing this? I do not want to go through their diversity training. <laughs> you should see my eyes roll when we did. Oh my gosh! My wife's like, "Stop it! We just have to watch this, okay?" I don't need that. It's hard enough. Just a sandwich, <laughs> you know, right in the. I'm. St- I mean, I be, praise God, I believe in diversity, but the training, it's just it's, it's a, a different world. View. You understand what I'm saying? If you don't, I'll disciple you later. I don't. But after three hours of that, I just felt like baptized by not the river of life. I just thought, we get it. <laughs> we get it. We're still sharing Jesus with them. I'm just telling you. Is that, we can edit that, right? No, I'm just. I'm thinking, hey, we want to take care of kids. But it takes a lot of faith for her and I to say, we're gonna do this, we have time for this. We feel like the Holy Spirit spoke to us in August or July of 2019. So this is just a fulfillment for us of what we feel like the Lord put in our hearts. It's not this thing, where we really wanna do, no, we believe that if God put something in our hearts, we've gotta step through that door. We, we face the fear, like, can we really do this? It's not fear of, of, like, of what might happen, it's fear of like, do we have the time? Are we not gonna be able to follow through? I mean, is this just gonna be something we spend all this time to do, and then it's a waste of our time? You understand, the doubts start to come, but I'll tell you what the Lord wants to do when he speaks to you, he wants to give us faith so that we can cross that threshold and keep walking. Doubt is an experience. Fear is an experience, but it is not supposed to be our ongoing reality. It is not our Lord. It is not our master. It is not the voice that we yield to, but it is a voice that we will hear. We acknowledge it and we move beyond it. God will give us great faith. It took a lot of great faith for Ananias to step up to that door. It took a lot of faith for him to walk through the door. It took a lot of faith for him to lay hands on this guy named Saul. Don't you, don't you know that today? I don't believe that he was just absolutely walking into that day thinking, I'm the the guy. But what happens when we do what the Lord tells us to is the Holy Spirit will flow through us. And that's my fourth and final point today. Verse 17 and 18, Ananias goes to see Saul. It says he lays his hands on him and the scales or what looked like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. I, I believe the scales were actually the it was a burn the glory of god fried his eyes the shekinah of god and it just the, the, i mean this is a regeneration this is a supernatural miracle god can do those and he totally completely heals his eyes i bet you he had 2020 i bet you hey he had better than 2020 i bet you that was the ultimate laser lasik surgery you understand if you want to know where lasik comes from it's the bible right there it just in the Holy Ghost, you know, that's, a, that's what it is. May, I, I might be not telling the truth today, but I, most of it's true. That part of it, I don't think so. But that's good LASIK surgery. I'll take that. Yeah. Throw these glasses off, you know. I might have to find them later because yeah. it didn't happen. But the scales fall from his eyes, and he lays hands on him. When he lays hands on him, the river of life touches him. The river of life. There's no magic in, in the hands. You understand? There's, it's not like the glory hands. He doesn't doesn't walk around with glowing hands. He doesn't walk around with power in my hands. Grab my power hand. He He doesn't walk around like that. He knows there's something that will flow through him. He knows there's something greater than him. This is what we're talking about today. On Pentecost Sunday, we're saying that the Holy Spirit wants to use us. The Holy Spirit just wants us to know that, believe that, and step into those particular moments where God can do more than what we can do. Aren't you in situations right now where you need God to show up? I'm gonna step down and I'm gonna come back up. You live in my world. I live in your world. And there are situations specifically when we insert ourselves into the lives of other people. I mean, we can live in a bubble. We can live in a bubble and not know people, not talk to our neighbors, not talk to other people, not read the newspaper, not think about the nations of the earth, not think about what is happening in the turmoil and the trauma and the chaos. We cannot insert ourselves into the lives of anybody else and we can go on living like nothing is happening. But ladies and gentlemen, there is a lot of darkness that is covering the earth today. And God is telling his people, I'm a river of life. I'm the light of the world. Now you, have the anointing of the light of the world. I, I want you to now go. I want you to be my representatives. I want you to go in power. I want you to release miracles. Last night, we had a man walk in and he had never been to our church before. He'd never been here before. Somebody told him you should come to this church. They have a Saturday night service. He just wanted to go to church. It was his second time he told me and Jared, Pastor Jared, his second time in church. This is my second time in church. He's 27 years old. And last week, he went to another church, but he couldn't wait till Sunday, and he found out there was a church that had a Saturday night service. He walked in these doors. At the end of the service, he walked up to us. He said, that's me. I didn't know which part he was talking about. He said, that's me. So we spent about 15 minutes talking to him about the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he came, that he died, that he rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. See, the river of God touched him, touched him over at that other church where he was, began to flow to him, convict him convince him encourage him somebody else that was a christian told him to come here he came here the river of god was flowing the holy spirit was convicting him of his sin convincing him of Jesus' righteousness and showing him what he ought to do and then last night right here right here you just go ahead and in this gym right there right underneath the basketball hoop this guy gave his life to jesus and something eternal happened something (laughs) eternal happened right here But that's just this weekend. I could talk to you about last weekend. I could talk, this is just people coming here. What about us going there? This is just people coming. I don't even know how sometimes people find our church. I'll tell you why, the river is flowing. A revival is upon us. If you're not jumped in, if you haven't jumped in the river yet, it's time for you to jump in the river. You can be mad about what's going on in the world. You can do that, but I prefer, and I believe the Lord does, that you jump in the river and start swimming down the current. It's time to accelerate in what the Lord is doing. There's a lot of bad, we can focus on that. We can have a small group about that. I I, I don't think you'll be encouraged. You're gonna come angry and leave worse. That's not a testimony of God. I'm not acting like things aren't bad, I'm telling you there's something greater. That's what church is all about. We're saying that there is something greater than what is happening in the world. We're saying there's someone more powerful We're saying that there's someone with solutions. We're saying that there is something that God is doing, even though we may not see it right now. God is at work in our life. God is at work in our world, and he's asking us, he's inviting us to jump in the river. He's telling us, and here we are, he's saying, I want you to be a riverbed of my power, of my glory, of my message, of my life, of my love, and I want that to touch everybody and he gifts us with the Holy Spirit. We have the presence of the living God living in us. Now we get to make choices as to what that looks like in our life. Ananias laid hands on Saul, and it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. I went to a young adult camp one time several years ago, and I was preparing. I wasn't the speaker that night. I was the next day, and I spoke at a lot of places, a lot of camps and conferences and churches, and I would always pray, and I always do, get a word from the Lord. What are you saying? What's the scripture you're giving me? What do you, what do you want to do? In addition to a message that I, might, that I might bring, and sometimes he doesn't want me to bring a message. He just wants me to minister, and all I'm doing when I minister is I'm asking the Holy Spirit to do something. Lord, if, if I stand up, will you show up? That's what I'm trying to say here because I know without that happening, nothing else good's coming. It's just a pep talk. It's just an encouragement. It's, it's a yawn. It's a check in the box. Let's go home. We want more. And so I prayed, Lord, what do you want to do? And he said, look at your, I heard the Holy Spirit say, look at your hands. I looked at my hands. My hands were glowing in the spirit. It's just kind of a funny thing. I mean, I thought, I thought, Ooh, that's a beautiful thing. They were just glowing, and I, I, you know, you shake your head and you you get the crusties out of your eyes, and you make sure that you're seeing what you're seeing. I was seeing my hands were glowing like they were on fire, like white hot. And the Holy Spirit said to me, "I'm going to baptize people in my Spirit this weekend, in particular," he said tonight. Well, I wasn't speaking that night, so I went to that. Young adult thing and there was many churches that were participating lots of people I had never been there before lots of these churches. i had never met any of these people. I walk up to the leader I was speaking the next day. I said hey The Holy Spirit I believe said to me he's gonna baptize people today in his power tonight This is what he wants to do and he shook his head. Thank you very much We went on with the night the message was substandard <laughs> Mine was too. the next day all right things have gotten better And Northwest Church said, amen. (laughs) It was a while ago. Anyhow, the message was whatever. And then I thought, man, I'm frustrated because I I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move powerfully. But nothing's going on. So I walk up to the guy again. I said, hey, I heard the Holy Spirit say he wants to baptize people in power tonight. And he goes, okay, well, I I don't know what to do then. You go ahead and lead it. So I led this altar call. And all these people came up. They all came up front. And there was this young man that I was discipling at the time. He was really young. I mean, he was barely 18 probably. And he came from a a Baptist church. Now, there are a lot of kinds of Baptist churches. And at Northwest Church, we love the body of Christ that preaches the real gospel. And that's, that's, we don't care what church denomination people are from. So don't hear me say that. But he was from a church where they taught him that what we preach and believe is of the devil. And we're probably not saved. And so he comes up after this pitch about the Holy Spirit, and I put my hands on him. And as I put my hands on him, within seconds, he begins to speak in tongues. He begins to pray this beautiful heavenly language. I mean, it was not just like a kind of heavenly language. It was like a, it was a full-blown language. It wasn't like a da-da-da-da. I mean, he just went, blasted some language. And I was just praying, you know, and, and, and I, I didn't come up, uh, I didn't come up. To to breathe. You know, I was just drowned in in my prayer. And he sort of comes to, like he was in some stupor, some drunkenness or something. And he goes, what just happened? I said, well, man, you got baptized with the Holy Spirit and you spoke with new tongues. And he says out of his mouth something like this, well, I don't believe in all that. I said, well, you're going to have to change your theology now. (laughs) Isn't that like the Lord? you come in one way. Amen. This is Saul on the way to Damascus. He's not thinking there's going to be a light that's going to shine from heaven. In fact, this guy's memorized the Torah. He knows it backwards and forwards. He's smarter than everybody in the room, but he has not had an encounter with the living God. And when he did, he was humbled. I can tell you from that day forward, Saul was humbled. To the point where in Philippians chapter 3, he would say, all that I have and all that I am. And he knew he had more than everybody else. He said, I count everything that I've learned and everything that I have as dung. And I won't interpret that for you, but you know what that means. He said, I count it all, but that I might know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. His heart was drawn to something greater and it wasn't based on him, his knowledge, what he can do. He had encountered something that was greater. I want to tell you something. I want to know the Bible just as much as anybody else. I want to understand the word of God. But if we don't have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, if we don't receive and release the life of the Holy Spirit, we we will just know stuff in our heads and quickly become the Pharisees that we read about that constantly confronted Jesus, the son of the living God throughout the gospels. This is not our lot in life. Our lot in life is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and to release what we receive. This is what God wants to do. So many stories I've had where I just show up and the Lord does something. I've seen it happen again and again. It just feels like I stumbled over things and and I watched God do great and mighty things. That's my testimony. My testimony is that he can take the weak and the foolish things of this world and confound the wise. Is that your testimony today? That God can take the weak and the foolish things, and he can confound the wise. He can use anybody to do anything, but he calls us to believe, he calls us to receive, and then release the river of God in our lives. Would you stand this morning? I want to say this to you as we close. Jesus said, on the last day, the great day of the feast, the feast of tabernacles, he stood and he cried out saying, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Today I want to ask you, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty for more? Or are you satisfied with where you are? Do you want God to do more or are you just fine? The land of good enough is not the right place to be living today. The land of what I once did and had and what I've experienced and where I was. and We need to live in the land of of the river of God. Just jump in the river and let him flow through our lives. Our comment, our prayer to God is whatever you want to do, Lord, may I not hinder it. Whatever you want to do through my life, may I not hinder it. By any sin or selfishness or attitudes or religious spirit that tries to block what you want to do. Whatever happened in the past is the past. All we have is today and tomorrow, maybe. And God's saying, I want to flow through your life today. As we pray today, let's recognize that some of us need to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. To be baptized means to be immersed, covered, saturated with his power. I'm not saying you don't have the Holy Spirit if you believe in Jesus. I'm saying that He wants to baptize you with the power of His Spirit to be a witness of Christ, to release the gifts of the Spirit. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I think I have, but I've never prayed in a heavenly language or released the gifts of the Spirit. God can do that. He wants to do that too. We don't believe in a pressure culture emotionalism We have emotions, but we don't believe in that. What we believe is asking for God to move. So here's what we'll do. I'm going to have some of our pastors will be here to the right, and we'll have some prayer ministers to the left. I want, I want to encourage you today that if, you, if you're in this place and you just know that you need something to happen, you, you need the Holy Spirit to baptize you, in Ephesians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's in contrast to being filled with the world. He said, be not drunk with wine or be not intoxicated with anything for that matter, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we've been waiting and wanting and praying and it has nothing's happened. You might need some, somebody to agree with you today. We're just Ananiases is all we are, amen? All of us. I pray that God anoints our church to be a whole group of Ananiases that can go lay hands on the next generation that will be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, that we would have literally a hand, that we would be marked by God to have a hand, to lay hands on the next generation, to see them be the greatest ministries that we have ever seen. But that's going to require us being filled with the Holy Spirit, not filled with self, not filled with the world, but filled with the Spirit of God. So I'm going to pray generally as we close today. And we have Connect After Service. We'd love to join you. But we're going to have a time of sanctuary in here. So we have pastors available. We want to pray with you. And we believe this is a weekend of being filled. So let's pray together that all of us right now where we are would be filled. And if you need additional prayer, you can come forward right after this. Amen? Join me. Father, we thank you today on Pentecost Sunday. We just join with saints for thousands of years who have prayed for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit to commemorate. And Lord, we might look back in the past and we say, thank you, but today we say, do it again. Today we pray that the precious Holy Spirit and his manifested presence would come with great power, that we too would be the riverbeds of life and life abundantly. Lord, that you could use us for every good work. That there would be no hindrance and we pray that you would just break the doors down in our soul that are holding back the river of God. We pray today that you would flow right here and right now. Baptize us with the power of the Holy Spirit. Activate the gifts of the Spirit that we could do what you ask us to do and there would be no hindrance. This would not be about logic and what we can do. You ask us to do far more than we are able to do which means it requires you. It requires a new dependence. And so we ask you, Lord, fill us today. You just tell the Lord that, fill me with your spirit today. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Flow through me today. Change my attitudes. Change my heart. Release your power in my family, in my job, in my workplace, in the places that I go the people that I know, the things that I do. Lord, release your glory and your power in my life. Release your glory in Northwest Church. We ask that this would be an unprecedented time for your glory to be released in your church, that you would shift our attention and our focus on you completely and entirely. Let your river flow. Let nothing hinder that in our church. You're the pastor. You're the leader of of us all. We thank you today. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Let me share with you some prophetic words. I told you I was going to close, but I misled you slightly. Today, somebody has, uh, you come here and you have hands, your wrists are in pain. There's something wrong with your hands and your wrists, and you you need healing today. We believe the Lord's going to heal that. And we also, there's a picture of someone with severe neck pain, and it's dropped down to your shoulder. Uh, it, It hurts when you move your head, you sleep. It's great difficulty. You're here today. Um, and then I saw someone that you've been in a battle. You've been in this battle of your soul, and uh, you've been warring, and spiritually, you feel like something is standing against you. You don't know what it is. You can't identify it. You couldn't explain it to me. But I saw it was like in a vision, it was like the enemy kicked up dust, like if somebody was in a fight, and they were standing on a dusty ground and it was the person they were against their opposition just kicked up that dust and it flew into their eyes and they couldn't see and i would say that's a picture of somebody today you feel like you can't see where am i going and what am i doing and what am i supposed to be about you feel that way today even when i say it you know that's you what what i can't see i can't see tomorrow i don't know where i'm going i don't know what i'm supposed to be doing and that's you somebody in here you feel that way and and the final thing is you're in here today and your heart is just dry. You just, man, if you, if you told me the truth, you'd look me in the face and say, Pastor Ben, I'm just so dry. I don't even wanna to respond to what you're talking about. I'm not laughing at your jokes. I'm not listening to your words. I'm not believing what you're saying. That's how dry you feel. You just, honestly, it's like a ground that's just so dry it's cracking. And you just be honest with yourself today. I believe the Lord wants to turn that around for you. In fact, I prophesy over you today. That's why he shows us things. He heals what he reveals. He moves in power when we partner with the Holy Spirit. If those are words from the Holy Spirit, he'll do it. If that's you, the hands, the wrist, the neck, the shoulder, would you raise your hand today? Raise that one hand. There, there you are. You say, Ben, I'm dry. I'm dry. I feel that. Maybe not entirely the way you said it, but there's something about where I'm at. It's, it, it's dry. Or maybe you feel like you can't see, and the enemy's just kicked up some dust in your eyes, and you want to move forward, but you just don't know how how to take the first step. If that's you, just receive it from the Lord. We believe it's his words and not ours. If it's from him, he'll do it. If it's from me, nothing happens. So today, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would heal the neck and the shoulder. In the name of Jesus, we proclaim healing power from the top of their head to the bottom of their feet. The hands and the wrists be healed in the name of Jesus. That the virtue of his power would flow to you today. Release the gifts of healing in this place. In our bodies, release your gifts of healing. A message is not enough, Lord. Show us your power today. Lord, where the enemy has blinded us, kicked up that dust and caused us not to see what's in front of us, we break the power of the enemy today, and that would be cleansed and removed, and Lord, there'd be a newfound passion and zeal in our life and a new faith that would emerge to take the next steps, to see what is coming, to see where we're going. And Lord, we thank you for those who are feeling dry today, that this would be a day where they experience your river. Let there be an encounter of the living God today. If not in this room, Lord, right in our car. If not in our car, in our home. Uncontainable. That's what you do when you pour out, uncontainable. We receive it today. And if you do, if you receive it today, just go ahead and say, say amen. Amen. We thank you in Jesus' mighty Name, Amen. God bless you today. We thank the Lord. Thank you, God. We love you. We love you. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Ignite Global Ministries, please go to our website, igniteglobalministries.org. While there, check out our Immersion Discipleship School and the books Pastor Ben has written.